from around the globe. In sold out arenas and humble churches. From out on the streets. To your screen. And now, the time and what must be done. On this edition of Farrakhan Speaks. Greetings and welcome to The Time and What Must Be Done, weekly broadcast by the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Once again, it is my extreme pleasure and honor on behalf of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan to introduce edition 46 of this broadcast. I am also very happy to announce that the minister is doing better, and if it be the will of Allah, he will be back with us in two weeks after this broadcast so that he can begin the last part of these timely lecture series on the subject, the time, and what must be done. Today, we present to you part one of Minister Louis Farrakhan's message delivered to black men in the city of Houston, Texas on April the 11th, 1994, entitled, Let Us Make Man. This was the fourth city that the minister visited on his men's only tour to call together black men to accept our responsibility to help stem the tide of crime and violence that is afflicting our communities throughout America. Nearly 30,000 men showed up to hear the message of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. 15,000 of those men were unable to get into the church. And it was a sight to see as black men were standing all on the outside in the streets. You should also know that these men-only meetings laid the foundation for the monumental Million Man March. This message was as timely then as it is now for us and our communities. Join me as we once again hear the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. And if nothing else, tonight, perhaps we can check the police statistics tomorrow and see were there less murders tonight? Less burglaries tonight? Were there less brothers going to jail tonight because they were all here tonight? Maybe, just maybe, that took place tonight. Now, I, I feel like I feel like Paul on the road to Damascus. Y'all know about that, don't you? When I was young, I, I was a Christian slayer. Yes, I was, as a Muslim. Yes, I was. Talked about him bad. But this is the place to make confession, is that right? I come to admit my faults. But as I grew to be open-minded and as I followed the leadership of the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, he taught me that labels don't mean everything. Yes, sir. And so I have the 
honor to introduce a Christian pastor who has opened up his house to us. And I ask you, brothers, to honor him as he has opened up our house to us against all odds and all evil manner of being spoken about. Show him that you're with him, the pastor of Pleasant Grove Missionary Baptist Church, Reverend C.L. Jackson, let us receive him. thank you. Uh, I don't even know how to thank you for letting God push you, press you, move you to his house. And notice I said his house. The other day when I was asked if these doors could be opened. It was a decision of my life. It meant that a lot of my friends would pull away from me. God assured me that if I could come to a point where I was ready to die for this cause, he would give me a crucifixion and if I was crucified by my people, he would give me a resurrection. And I want to introduce to you an unusual character at this moment. Because you know that no Minister Lurie Farrakhan, no Minister Robert, no C.L. Jackson could make you come here. But God can. God can. And he, he opened the doors of his house. Yes, sir. 
and back and they say some 13,000 are on the inside and some 15,000 on the outside. 28,000. And I think now that there's no doubt in nobody's mind that God does not love us. But I think everybody here knows God love us. God love us. God love us. And I want to bring to you now a man who had been tried in the fire but the more the fire burns, there's a word in the Greek, it called dakami. Dakami means when a piece of metal is put in a fire, the more it burns, the brighter it gets. And that's what God does when he want to make us a Christ-like character. He puts us in the fire of trials and the more the trials burn us the brighter our character get and the person that I want to present to you tonight his character is radiant he's a humble person he's a man that God has done something unusual for and now a whole lot of people think he's afraid to mention Christ but he is a man that God has his hands on. He is a man that the Spirit of God is moving in his heart. And I want you to receive him, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. In the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful, the one God to whom all praise is due, the Lord of the worlds, Allah, the Creator of all things, Allah, the Revealer of all truth, Allah, the Sender of all prophets.
To him alone do I submit and seek refuge. We thank Almighty God, Allah, for all of his prophets and for all of the scriptures that they brought to human beings. We thank him for Moses and the Torah. We thank him for Jesus and the Gospel. We thank him for Muhammad and the Quran. Peace be upon all of these worthy servants of God. If I lived to be a thousand, I don't think I could thank Almighty God, Allah, enough for His intervention in our affairs. In the person of Master Farad Muhammad, the great Mahdi, who came and searched among us for one who would deliver to us a weighty word. And that one is his messenger to us, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, a man who has made the Torah, the Gospel, and the Quran relevant books to us and to all oppressed peoples of the world. I greet all of you, my dear and wonderful brothers. With the greeting words of peace, we say it in the Arabic language, Assalamu Alaikum. Now, this means peace be unto you. To the Reverend C.L. Jackson, associate pastors, ministers and students of Islam, reverend clergy, community leaders, teachers, politicians, brothers, my brothers. Words are inadequate to express my joy and my thanks. First, to Minister and Reverend Jackson, who opened the doors of his heart and the doors of this sanctuary to receive us. My thanks to Minister Robert Muhammad, our minister here in Houston for his tireless efforts on behalf of our suffering people. To all of the believers, the Muslims of mosque number 45, I think it is, for your efforts in getting the word out that we were coming. To the gentlemen who came and brought money that we might have advertisement on the radio of this meeting. To each and every one of you who gave as much as a dollar or a hundred dollars 
or a thousand dollars or the champion of the world who gave five thousand dollars or to those who gave as little as a penny or those who had nothing to give but just were happy to be numbered among us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We have had these meetings now in four cities, New York, Boston, Washington, and now Houston. And I'm very proud to say that I am humbled and grateful to Almighty God for what I see in Houston. Twelve to fourteen thousand men on the inside of this auditorium. There's not a nook or a corner in this auditorium where there are not men like you. There are thousands on the outside. They tell me that the police said that there were at least 30,000 people on the outside at one point. They may be now down to 15,000. And I understand that the radio station, what are the call letters? KYOK. I, I believe is trying to broadcast the message live to the city. Brothers, I called you, or really God called you, tonight because you have a very special purpose and a very special calling that each and every one of us need to understand. You have been made to look at yourselves as nothing. But tonight, by the grace of God, I want to tell you in just a few moments who you are and what is expected of each one of us to stem the tide of crime and violence that is afflicting our communities throughout America, not by your design, but by the design of the wicked who are manipulating our ignorance to make us enemies of one another and we have become so depraved as a community that it makes it difficult for somebody like myself or Reverend Jackson or others to t teach us to love one another because wickedness is the mother of hate when people do you evil it's difficult to love them and if we have become the number one evil doers to one another we are 
preaching a hatred now in our community that must breed self-destruction if we say that God is love and the scriptures of the Bible teach this then the love that God is is not some tender emotional feeling when you say God is love the word is is representative of an equal sign whatever is on this side of the equation is equal by what is on this side of the equation God is more than an emotion he's more than a tender feeling God is absolutely the essence of all things that you see and don't see so when you say God is love then love must be the very essence of life itself so if you look at the word love L O V E and the word life L I F E it's the same word you just change the F to a V and in language the F is interchangeable with the V and the vowel O is interchangeable with any other vowel so when you say you have love you have life you have God when you have God you have love you have life if as a people we do not love each other as a people we are dead and therefore the grave that we sleep in cannot praise God the grave cannot praise God and those of us who are dead in the hatred of self are not glorifying God in our existence so somebody has to come to show black people how to love themselves to love one another and when somebody shows you how to love yourself then in that act of love they will be giving life to the dead by putting God in the hearts of the people this is why the scriptures of the Bible Reverend Jackson says we can tell that we have passed from death into life because we love the brotherhood (laughs) so when you don't have life you don't have love you don't have God you are powerless because God represents force and power and the thing that black men don't have in America or in the world is force and power to determine our destiny our destiny is determined by others we are like sheep as the scripture teaches and we have not had a good shepherd 
in front of us. How do you know that our shepherds have not been good? Because if our shepherds were good, God would be in our life. Life would be in our life. Love would be in our life. Power would be in our life. And therefore, David the psalmist was moved to say, The Lord is my shepherd. Well, if the Lord is our shepherd, then we would never be in the condition that we are in. So we've got to replace the old shepherd. We got to get rid of the rider that's riding the donkey. He's not a good rider. So we got to throw that rider off our back and let the king ride you and me to glory. What do you mean, Farrakhan? Jesus rode into Jerusalem on an ass. Why an ass, Jesus? Y'all all right? Jesus told his disciples, look, there's an ass tied and there's a young colt tied with her. He said, go and untie them. Anybody ask you, what are you doing? Just tell them. The master has come and has need of them. Who are you, black man? I want to talk to you tonight and I can guarantee you that when you leave this auditorium tonight, nobody, nobody. will be the same. No. You'll never be worse. You'll be better. And based upon the degree of acceptance of the word is the degree of rise that will come in Houston from these black men. There's an ass tied. What does Jesus want to ride an ass for? When they murdered Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., his body was carried by what? Mule. Mule. They used a mule as a symbol. The ass is a symbol of the unlearned masses of the people. Nobody could do anything with the unlearned masses of the people. But when Jesus came on the scene, the ass was tied. Meaning somebody owns you but not making use of you.
Listen, listen. In the South, I think that's where we are. Whenever somebody would come in to talk to black people, white folk would say, I don't want him disturbing my negros or my colored peoples. He's a troublemaker coming in to disturb our negros. They always used the possessive tense. This is why the Bible calls us the children of Israel. Of here denotes possession. We are the children possessed of Israel. <laughs> Owned by. Tied to. But not being used. They have no more jobs for us. You remember Reverend Jackson? They used to say, in heaven, every day will be like Sunday. It's like that now, only we in hell. Sunday was the day that we got off. Now every day is an off day for black folk. Especially for black men. White folk make jobs, but they put your woman in the job. Put you off the job. I want you to listen. When a man doesn't have a job and he has a sex drive, which is natural, if he's a natural man, he's going to like a woman. Of course, that's gradually being changed, you know. But if you're a natural man, you are attracted to a female. And if you are attracted to a female and you like her, soon the natural attraction in male and female will give rise to sexual stimulation. And sexual stimulation will give rise to the act that they call making love. They call it making love because it's the act that creates life. With us, it's not really a desire to create life or to procreate human species. It's a desire to have pleasure. And we know that the female God has made to give pleasure. But she's not to give pleasure 
to somebody who has not earned the right to pleasure by enduring the pain of being a producer. I want you to listen good. A man does not need pleasure if he's doing nothing. You know, recreation, 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 recreation comes after work. Not before work. Not in place of work, but recreation comes after work. Solace and comfort and consolation comes after struggle. When God made a man, he made the man to struggle. He made the man to overcome difficulty he made the man to become a producer he made the man to multiply replenish the earth and subdue it he gave man power and dominion to carry out what God had ordained in the very nature of a man and if a man does his job God says I'm gonna give you a woman to help you do your job but a man a woman can't help a man do nothing a woman gotta help a man do something and if a man is a do nothing man he can never keep a woman because a woman is made by nature to be your helper a man doesn't need help to sit around and do nothing are you with me so as a man if you don't have any program you don't have any aim you don't have any purpose you don't have any project that you are working to develop you don't need a woman So now, wait, wait, but your nature makes you to feel, I need a woman. Now, of course, if you're a natural man, your nature make you feel, I need a woman. And the woman is made to feel she needs a man. So we meet. And we are attracted to each other and we fall in love with each other and that's wonderful and then sex follows and then without planning an accident takes place and she says whoops there it is Hey, baby, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant, baby. What you telling me for? 
know what to do. Now, brothers, when you don't have any money in your pocket and your children are at home crying, how do you feel? When you go home and your wife is working, but you can't find a job. You just graduated from Texas Southern, is it? Texas Christian? Some other college? And you go for a job and they tell you, Oh, I'm sorry. You're overqualified for this one. Or they tell you, I'm sorry, you don't have enough qualifications for this one. But it seems that your wife is qualified to hold any position. Yeah. I notice black women on television sitting next to anchor men or she's an anchor woman. So they've already fulfilled the requirement. They've hired a minority and a black. Yeah, and a black. And a black. But it's not you. And since you and I, as a people, have not learned how to create a job, and you know it takes money in this world to live, then the only avenue open for you as a man is either join the army and be all that you can never be in the society. So that you can be sent all over the world to fight for a democracy that you don't know anything about at home. Or you can be in the neighborhood and I tell you what, you can make a lot of money if you start small and grow big, here's what I want you to do. Just go around and steal hubcaps. And after you do that, well, break into the car, get the radios. After you do that, well, take the car. Now you don't have to wait till the people sleep. Just go up to them and say, get out. I got this. And if they open their mouth wide enough, shoot them in it. Just look at the degeneration now. Come on, brothers. I know it's painful to be a black man in America. Real pleasure was never meant to come from a woman. Listen, I'm going to say that again. Real pleasure was never meant to come from a woman. Women give men pleasure, but real pleasure comes from creative thinking and then seeing what you think come into reality by the work of your hands. That's real pleasure. Reverend Jackson has experienced 
real pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Because this house yeah. was an idea yeah. in his mind. Yeah. An architect took it from his mind and put it on paper. Yeah. He gathered his flock and they went to work and what was an idea became reality. reality. Yeah. The word became flesh. Yeah. So on the day that this house was open, joy, 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 joy that no female could give. Because now this house, this reality from the mind can house thousands now that can be inspired to go out and make a difference in the world. But as long as you as a man lay down at night and dream about your greatness, but you are never able to manifest how great you are. Then the pain of being non-productive makes you seek pleasure that keeps you non-productive. Yeah, non-productive. Look at it. Look at it. Look at it, brothers. Each one of you is in pain. As a black man in white America, we're in pain, brothers. In pain. We live with constant pain. Nobody knows our pain but God and us. When you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror and you know deep down inside you are as great as any man of greatness that you've heard about, read about, or seen in real life. You know you are as great as any one of them possibly greater. But there's no avenue of opportunity to allow you to demonstrate your individual greatness. Then this breeds frustration. It breeds bitterness. It breeds envy and jealousy. You look behind us at the heavyweight champion of the world. As a black man, you know we have always loved our champions. Because it's something to watch a man in a ring deal and win. And you know that Evander Holyfield works hard to be who and what he is. He doesn't climb into the ring without having made a great sacrifice of time. And he's in pain. He puts his body through pain to condition himself for what he's about to face. Every man has that same ability to be a champion, maybe not in the ring, but each one of you is a champion in your own right. But, but, 
if you have no way to show it no opportunity to prove it yeah then we end up worshiping the champ yeah rather than worshiping God or we end up being envious, envious. of the champ yeah. Yeah. look at what he got shoot yeah. he ain't nothing and so our community is filled with envy yeah. jealousy strife yeah. contention bitterness frustration yeah. hatred yeah. murder because we are unfulfilled as men because racist white America cannot stand to see a black man really free full of the power of God with a creative mind at work with a help meet by his side working to develop creative ideas for the advancement of his family and his people yeah. so since two things cannot occupy the same space at the same time if the white male is gonna rule then he must crush the black male yeah. white male you are wrong yeah. because if in reality because of white supremacy you believe that in order for you to survive as a white man you have to crush a black man's existence then in crushing our existence you are doing something to your own because ultimately no power on earth no power. for any long period of time can keep any man from attaining what God himself has willed for that man yeah. now I say all of that to say that you are powerless because they don't want you to have power and as a man you can't function without power this is why reverend men don't come to church like they should no women are in the church yeah why aren't the men there because women are suffering for the lack of a man. Jesus was and is a man. So the only comfort for a woman who does not have a real man is to imagine her connection to the master himself. So she comes to church and she's so frustrated because she got three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten children. Sometimes from four or five or six or seven or eight or nine different men. Yes. Nobody to love her. Nobody to care for her and her offspring. So she just eats herself to death she gets fat and out of shape she's demoralized 
dispirited, disenchanted. And she comes to church and the reverend tells her, Jesus is my rock. Yeah. Jesus is a comforter. Jesus will do this. Well, the woman need a man to do something for her. So she get the Holy Ghost and run up and down the aisle. She gets the spirit. But what she's really looking for is a real man of God in her life. Well, why aren't you there? Because reverent, the power side of Jesus is not represented. The side of comfort and consolation and mercy and forgiveness is what's mentioned. And the woman is more attracted to that because of the feminine side of her nature. But a man is made to have power and dominion and unless the church becomes as God intended it to be and gives power to the man how do you give power to a man you give a man power by giving him knowledge you don't entertain men you teach men. Are you listening? When church becomes a big show and it's more singing and shouting and entertaining than real teaching, then the man can't get a grip on the word of God to empower the man to go out from the church into life and deal with what is out there. So Jesus saw an ass tied. And brothers, you tied up, but they have no more use for you. And in a society like this, when they don't have any more use for you, they program you for destruction now look look at yourself look at yourself brothers let's look 30 years ago white folk did not ever want to see a black man with a gun right in the south if you had a shotgun on your farm white folk would be a little careful how they come around you, especially if you would use it. Because they know that thing hurts. Kills. So you couldn't get guns. There was always a liquor store available to you so that in your pain of not being productive as a man and some of you don't even know why you're in pain because your nature has never been explained to you so you in pain don't know where the pain is coming from don't know why you in pain but you're in pain because you're not productive 
and no man can be a man unless he's productive so that the alcohol man says hey 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 brother come on here take this for your pain so you're a college professor but you're in pain because you know professor something ain't right with what you professing you're teaching young people and you know when they leave college most of them will not be able to use what they spent four years in college trying to learn so in the basement of most of the professors houses you find a bar and you have parties in your house and your friends come over and you get drunk and laugh and talk and get drunk and get drunk and laugh and talk and tell jokes and get drunk some more and laugh and talk and tell jokes and then go back to class on Monday acting like you professing it's the same with preachers no 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 preachers are sad men too because most of them read the Bible about a God but he ain't real in the life when white folk come you understand what I'm saying you say you believe in God God is your rock but don't let white folk come to your house in the midnight hour you start saying like they said Jesus said on the cross my God why have you forsaken me because deep down inside some of the most cowardly people are the people who claim to believe in God you allow the flock to be eaten by the wolf and the shepherd runs and hides and becomes an apologist for the wickedness of the slave master and his children so preachers are unfulfilled too and this is why sex is a major part of a preacher's life wait a minute no 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 I'm not putting nobody down I say wait wait a minute I know there's some good preachers don't misunderstand me there are some very good pastors but for the most part it's too much talk among pastors about women and too little talk about serving the needs of the people that we are shepherd over Brothers, brothers, we're all in pain. The man of God, he got his Bible, but he's in pain. The Muslim, he got his Quran, he's in pain. The agnostic ain't got no Bible, no Quran, don't believe in no God, but he in pain. Gang bangers, 
in pain. All of us are in pain. And do you know, brothers, when you're in pain, your brain releases hormones that actually can deaden pain. This is why you could lose an arm and sometimes don't even feel it because the trauma has released something from the brain and when you look and your arm is gone then pain but before that you didn't even know it was gone that's how powerful the brain is but when your pain is so great that you deplete what the brain can give to comfort you and your knowledge is so weak that it can't fire the brain up to produce more of what you need in a traumatic time then here come the dope merchant hey baby hey try this and we're in so much pain brothers after a while reefer gets to be punk stuff and you graduate from reefer you have never been able to afford cocaine like white folks use it in the powdered form so some of them went in a laboratory and developed a very inexpensive chemically produced coke that immediately goes to the pleasure center of the brain and one hit of it hooks you now that's really something so now crack is flooding our community and each of you as men know the more pain you're in the more drugs you use your personality begins to get distorted you're no longer the same person that you were when you were natural or in a natural state you become an incessant liar and after a while your mother and your father become objects to you not your real parents that you should have love and care and tenderness for but you see your mother's fur coat and you take it you see something of value you take it and if they try to stop you you in the sad state of your mind would kill your own mother your own father your sister or your brother now the black community is filled with pain and filled with drugs filled with pain and no power now filled with guns Mao Zedong said power grows out of the barrel of a gun so when you put a gun in a powerless young black man's hands he got his hand on something now that gives him power he's hungry for power 
the nature that the Bible said God created him in, God gave him in the beginning power. But the white man took away from you power. Now you're trying to get it back, but you don't know how. So they sell you a gun. You didn't go to the gun store and get it. Because they wouldn't sell it to you at the gun store. But you got it on the market. The white market. And they sold you a weapon. And they knew you were not going to be involved in a drive-by shooting in the white neighborhood. You were not going to do carjacking in the white neighborhood. They know that the more guns they put in your hand, you would begin to terrorize your own neighborhood. So it's guns and drugs and jobless men. Guns and drugs and pain-filled men. Guns and drugs and bitter, frustrated men. Guns and drugs and men with no creative mind guns and drugs and a man that is not really a man of his own destiny <laughs> so brothers when you like this you don't see the brother sitting next to you as your flesh. Look at the brother sitting next to you. Look behind you and look at all your brothers all the way down. Look at them. Just look at them. Look in front of you and see all these men up here. Do you see yourself as their family? No. No. I came in here tonight. I, I want to hear Farrakhan. But something happened while you were in the line. You never saw anything like that before. Look at all these black men, man. <clears throat> they lined up all the way to the freeway, wrapped around the building. Nobody arguing, nobody fighting. Look at this, man. Look, look. Whoa, whoa, what is this? And when you sit down, ain't no women in the, in the audience. You ain't rubbing shoulders with another woman that you could check out to see how short a dress is, what her thighs look like. You're sitting next to your brother, so there shouldn't be any sexual stimulation from being close. But out in the hood, it's every man for himself. And so, when you got a gun, you feel you got power. You're at home, you call the dog, the dog may come. You're at home, you call your children, they may come. 
But when you put out the gun, people start coming to that. What you say you want? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give every, every, every. That's that you feel that's real power. And then the kicker is when you squeeze the trigger and you watch the body of your brother gyrate under the heat of a bullet and you see him cry out oh God and he gasps and you watch his life ooze out and you don't have no feeling for him you go back home with your boys you eat a beef burger hamburger a pizza and you go to bed like you did nothing but those women that are out there cheering you tonight they gotta carry their sons to a final resting place for every black person that you kill you have wounded whole families. Whole families of them. Then you set up vengeance in those that are remaining behind so they're plotting now to get you. And you know, I watch white folks send a contraption up that circles the earth. I watched them send the telescope up and it didn't work. And then they sent something else up to correct the telescope. Tens of thousands of miles away. And you mean to tell me they can't correct a condition that is going on in every major city of America? Something wrong. Now, brothers, brothers, you are programmed right now for total destruction. See, when they put out a movie called Boys in the Hood, and show us to the world at our worst behavior? When they put a movie out called Menace to Society and you see your brothers pistol whip a Korean woman reach over the counter, shoot her and then go home and take a video camera of it and sit down and laugh at it and you in the movie laughing at it too white folk have sent that movie all over the world and do you know what's being done white people all over the world and your own black brothers are looking at you through the lens of a movie camera and they are saying, my God, 
people are terrible. The biggest industry in America today is prisons. They're going to build more and more and more. Who they building them for, brothers? It costs nearly $40,000 a year to keep you in jail. They're not interested in giving you education. They like you just like you are so that three strikes you in for life. And with three strikes, they've got a free worker. In other words, another plantation, brothers. You're a slave for the rest of your life. What is it, brother? Uh, that's right. That's right. That's right. If you don't want to go with the program, they'll program. And so here you are, programmed for annihilation. And look, brothers, the guns that you have in the community right now is a justification for big tanks to come in the neighborhood. And guess what? Our women are so distraught at the level of violence. Our mayors, our black mayors and white mayors and police chiefs, they're saying, look, we can't handle this. So they're calling for the National Guard. They're calling for reinforcement from the army. And pretty soon, if this doesn't get turned around, you're going to see your blood running in the gutters because you're going to run out with your pop gun and they're going to come in with helicopter gunships and tanks rolling in the community and you don't have nothing to match it but this little sense of power that you have is driving you crazy to kill your own. Your menace two. Who's menace one? Who's menace one? If I'm John the second, they gotta be John the first that I come from. If you are menace two, who's menace one? White males have menaced the earth and now they produce you as a menace to who? To yourself and your own community. So what must be done? Please log on again next week and every week this year for the time and what must be done. Tell your friends, tell your family, log on to NOI.org every Saturday, 6 p.m. Central Time for truth, guidance, and unequaled love from the National Representative of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the Nation of Islam, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. 
Pass on the Word, every Saturday at 6 p.m. Central Time at NOI.org. The time and what must be done. Remember, to have Minister Farrakhan answer your questions, tweet them to at Louis Farrakhan, hashtag Ask Farrakhan. And to add this message to your library or as a gift for someone you love, go to store.finalcall.com.